Yo, what's up, Jacksonville? This is your boy, Jay Julius. This is the Bill Radio Show. And it's your boy, Big Phil. Yes! And Shirt Dog is in the building. Every single Saturday at 6 p.m., come rock with us. Tune in to 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio, nothing but goodness. Man, we talk about everything from the gospel to gummy bears to game members. Come rock with us every Saturday, 6 p.m. The Ville Radio Show, where we're chilling like villains. Yo, 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 what's going on? You just tuned into the Ville Radio Show. This is Jay Harris, you know what I'm saying? We rocking on uh, Pure Radio, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. It's the Ville Radio Show, people. We in the building. We getting started today. I got my co-host with me, you know what I'm saying? Fellas, tell them what time it is. Well, it's about 6 o'clock <laughs> on Saturday night. Here he goes. And uh, glad to be here. What do you think? You already know what it is. You already know who this is. They've been waiting to hear my voice, wait for me to be back. But you know who it is. It's the smell. It's the boy. It's the captain. It's the crunch. It's the bullet that takes your lunch. It's Big Philly Yilly. Let's go, baby. Well, once again, people, as soon as HR gets back to me, we'll be getting him removed. We're working on it. There's just legal stuff, and we can't do nothing about it right now. We just have to, You have to live with that introduction. Jay, what is the bullet that eats your lunch? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. The bully. Oh. Oh, the oh. bully. So, okay. The okay, bully. that makes sense. Oh, that's... <laughs> the bully. I like great. That. I like okay, Eat I like your that. lunch. I like that. It's a t-shirt. It's fresh. Okay. Shirt dog, what's up, brother? Man, I'm feeling a little under the weather, and I shaved my face. I see you over and, here. And uh, you looked at me weird when you saw me today. Because you look like a Viking or something, like without the facial hair, so it's kind of, I don't know, it's just weird. Okay. But it's cool. Well, people don't know what I look like. Yes. You just hear my voice. Well, yes. Well, it's. I mean, it's just a weird. You have the whole mullet thing cracking or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So it's different, you know. But they know. They see you on there. What's up? This view is horrible, Phil. My whole stomach is out and all that. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. They can. They can. They can really see you well. As I'm looking, I got a monitor right here. They can see you really the, well, brother. My stomach isn't this big. The whole the it's camera the, distorted. It's the it's real one of, at the Ville. It's the real at the Ville. So so today we have two guests on the show as well. Can y'all introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name is my name is Claire. And my name is Eric. True indeed. All right, so, so we, we have Claire and Eric here today. We're not gonna go into why they're here just yet, but they having a um they have a story to tell us in, in a situation that recently happened concerning them um, cons- that is just, it, it's, it's just a pure injustice. And we want to hear their story and we want to talk about it with them today. And so we're going to come back and get into that on our second, uh, on the second half of this segment. I'm super happy to have y'all here today. Um, most definitely. We're happy to have y'all. You know what I'm saying? So we're just going to have a little bit of fun. You know what I'm saying? We got our Facebook people watching us, and we're on the radio. We're on Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. We're going to play a little music today? We're going to play a little music today, man. What you got going on? What you want? Well, I think we, after we get into what we're talking about, about injustice in America, we're probably going to need to hear some of that Marvin Gaye, Mercy, Mercy, Me or something. Okay. Well, something to soothe the soul and give a brother some hope. That's good. I'll go ahead and play my record first then, but to, to introduce what we'll be talking about, it's your boy Big Philly Yilly's song called Lay Down, and you'll really get an idea of what this show is going to be about today um, as you take a listen to this song. So, DJ Run the Tomb.
With no land of our own, I can't build a home. It's really nowhere to go. Cause they want us to lay down. They try to make us lay down. But if breath in my lungs and truth in my songs is the only way I'ma grow, then I refuse to lay down. You will not make me lay down. Uh, they telling me that black lives matter. But I'm like, why should I have to say that? Tuition got me tripping when I shouldn't have to pay that. Sir, he can't breathe. How was he supposed to take that? Kill or be killed then. Why should I have to weigh that? The journey of a young black, no father at all. Ready to get his click clack, no bother at all. The repercussions of him busting, gonna follow us all. I'm praying why he locked down. Mercy follow my dog, huh? I'm trying to be a leader to these young brothers. It's more than like they're trying to be the next young thugger. Using dope money to finance your artists. But they don't realize that they have been the target. We have been the race, destined to be erased. You saw it in Nixon's eyes, saw it in Reagan's face, huh? But God had a plan and put his heart in that. So all I'm trying to do is play my part in that. With no land of our own, I can't build a home. It's really nowhere to go, cause they want us to lay down. They trying to make us lay down. But if breath in my lungs, the truth in my songs, is the only way I'ma grow, then I refuse to lay down. You will not make uh, me lay down. Yeah. Good morning, Mr. Angel, please tell me your angle. Stop putting salt up on the game, you swelling my ankles. A chatterbox, but your chit-chatter lacks cheddar. Cause money talks, that's why the rich always act better. And that's the motto that they live by, I'm shaking my head. Valid Victorian of a class, but she's shaking for bread. Man, it seemed like Lucifer's got in her head. He turning her into a snake and I'm watching her shed. That's why I can't afford to let this depression get me to the point that I can't even record. And even more, on top of that, I'm hoping my people love restored. So my knees every day, I stay hitting the floor. I'm sick of being bored of these rap riddles, rap the skittles that snatch the middle of the black individual. Poison with fame, but we lacking the stock. We went from hottest in the world to back on the block. With no land of our own, I can't build a home. It's really nowhere to go, cause they want us to lay down. They trying to make us lay down. But if breath in my lungs, the truth in my songs, is the only way I'ma grow, then I refuse to lay down. You will not make me lay down. They say this is the land of the free and home of the brave. But when I look around, I see nothing but slaves. I see nothing but slaves. They say this is the land of the free and home of the brave. Then why we are leading our young to the grave? Straight up. Straight up. And we back. This is the Ville Radio Show right here on Pure Radio, you know what I'm saying, 103.7. Y'all heard the boy Big Phil lay down, man. That's how I was feeling at a point in time in my life when I was writing this EP. It's good music, but a lot of people, you know, agree with it. A lot of people don't. Um, but they say we're in the land of the free, home of the brave. Um, when I look around, I see a bunch of slaves. So 
Straight up. So listen, man, we back at it. Um, let's let's just jump into the show, whatever. I have a lot of stuff on my mind or whatever, and I really want to get um, to the next half to hear our guest's part on this whole thing. But so we are on the um, we just saw the verdict come down for the Philando Castile situation. Um, and the officer got off in that killing. I don't know if y'all remember what happened in that situation, but that was a situation, I believe that happened in Minnesota, where the uh, young lady started recording right after he got shot. So he was in the passenger seat. The, um, they had the, um, his girlfriend had her daughter in the car, um, and she started recording right after. Like he's on the video bleeding out. And the officer's there while the little girl is there, whatever, and the, and the, the girlfriend's crying, talking to the camera, and she's kind of giving a play-by-play what happened. Um, I believe in that video, if I'm not mistaken, the officer says, um, I thought he was going to pull a gun. And she says, you told him to grab his ID, which we've seen video before of officers telling people to grab their ID than shooting them when they actually reach for their ID. Um, um, The young man that was shot, he actually um, had a gun on him, was licensed to have a gun. Based on the case, he told the officer from the very beginning, I do have a gun. Um, There there was video, there was dash, um, you know, video, and he made that clear from the very beginning. and from my understanding from other articles I've read is when he was being taken away, the gun was in his pocket is where they found the gun. Like the like the the the, um, the prosecutor said that the officer's testimony didn't match up with there being an immediate threat because they said his gun was actually still in his pocket. Um, and so we have another situation where people are utterly outraged about the killing of another young black man um, and you know in, in injustice and the, the there's so much chaos around this conversation um, and even being a pastor of a church even within the church there's chaos and utter separation around these conversations um, because you still have the Um, blatant line of racism that divides our churches um, that keeps us completely separated the numbers are pitiful 2.5% diversity in the American church the numbers are whatever people think how bad it is it's actually like a hundred times worse because people can't grasp that it's actually that divided Um, but it actually is that divided and so when it comes to conversations like this in recent years because of social media and how fast these conversations can move it's separated us even more in the church because now we can hear people thinking out loud. Um, and we haven't found a, a, a common ground to be able to have a healthy conversation around race. I mean, we do have the common ground. It's based in the cross and it's biblical. And to me, it's quite obvious. But other people, they have their position as well. And their position is a little bit different. And it keeps us separated at the end of the day because. I think I think when it comes to being a black man and looking at something like this and the tension that happens with police officers and everything else, um, you know, you can only, 
because it's so close to us. I've been beat up by police officers myself for absolutely no reason. Um, and then I've had to tell people that story and them look at me like, nah, you actually did something. Nah, I actually didn't do anything at all. Like, absolutely nothing at all. And a lot of times when we come to the table with these conversations, officers are given so much credibility in the conversation. Not that we don't esteem our public workers and not that we shouldn't esteem officers. I think they most definitely should be esteemed and they should be honored for the work that they do by all means. But at the same time, when it comes to having this conversation about um, African-American men in this country and or, or should we say the African-American context, like, well, excuse me, let me not say African-American context. That's wrong. Let me say when we're talking about more financially challenged context that statistically you see minorities in more often. Right. Let's say it like that, because every African-American out here is not poor. All right. That's another story that gets sold. So we don't want to emphasize that. But in um, minority contexts that are that are more financially challenged. The way they see officers are, is not the same people see officers in the suburbs. Um, but like when we have this conversation, we usually say that, you know, we hit it from this point where it's like an either or. And it's like people are like, no, officers are great. They're loving. They take care of our community. They make us feel safe. Well, if you go talk to most young men that have grown up or young women that have grown up in an urban context, that's not their perspective of officers at all. And so they don't get that credibility in that context. And so I think one of the big problems happens when both sides won't hear the other side. I believe white people's experience when they say what they say about officers, like they're great. This, I think that actually is their experience. I give them credibility that in their context. That's what they that's what they experience. My problem is when they don't give me the, the, the credibility that my experience um, and it's not it's not regulated to just a neighborhood anymore. It's regulated to my skin. So I could be in the nicest neighborhood. When I got beat up, I got beat up in the neighborhood where football players, baseball players, everybody live. It doesn't matter where you're at. My skin color was enough for them to, I mean, I don't even know what to call it besides some type of gang. It, it was as if they were a gang. So I don't, like, there's, there's not even a, a vague line for me to even express what happened. It just was utterly wrong, and and that's where I'm left at, you know. So, like, so work with me on this. Where do we? What's your thoughts on on this kind of this conversation? Like, I, I know I'm saying a whole lot, but like, with the church, with people, just generally, how do we have a conversation? Like, you know, you have people outraged and marching and. Even as I, I, I prepped to even come to the show to talk about um, Mr. Castile's situation, man, I couldn't even take going through it because I don't have TV in my house anymore. So I don't see the news like that. And I do it on purpose because I already work with kids going through these situations and I don't need the news on top of it. But it felt like trauma just to even read through the situation in here. Um, what I feel, in my personal opinion, it's his family being railroaded and justice not being delivered on something that seems quite obvious. Is there nuances and situations where we could be wrong? Maybe so. But at the end of the day, statistically, 
we're always taking the um, bad end of that stick. Yeah. I know it firsthand. So yeah. if we are going to lean to how the story went, because of our experiences, we're going to lean. We're going to lean to home officer. You violated. But you violated that. That it, it seemed pretty clear in the video. And I, I, I just, is it has become um, very overwhelming for me to the point where I just have to back away from it and um, just got a lot of different uh, views now. Um, um, just when it comes to things like this, um, and. It is very frustrating, um, just like um, I see one of the viewers that said um, they get shut down. Oh, my man, Ivy, he said he gets shut down every time he brings up his experiences with law enforcement as well, and it's extremely frustrating because um, <clears throat> I was looking at a, a show yesterday on um, ESPN. They was talking about Colin Kaepernick and how he said something about, he tweeted something when the verdict came out about um, Philando and um, he said that in his tweet, he said a, uh, a organization that something on the lines that uh, when you have innocent people getting killed, um, an organization doesn't need to be revised. It needs to be dismantled. Um, something along those lines. I, I'm not quoting him exactly. Yeah. But something along those lines. And... Um, they were talking about it on the TV, on this TV show, on the sports show, and one of the guys was like, um, "He shouldn't have tweeted that because he just he just demonized the entire police academy and entire police organization. Mm. He just put it, he just threw everybody in this box." And I just really want to ask, I really want to know um, how 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 do I get my point across that he was wrong for what he was doing? You want me to say, it's always when, I always notice that when a situation like that happens, they always collectively do that. They say, well, you shouldn't, I, I, I stand for what you stand for, but you shouldn't say, say it this way. Or I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but you shouldn't have put it out there like that. How do you put it out? Number one, uh, this, this family is going through a loss of their family member, father a friend, a brother, a teacher. This guy was a teacher. This guy has it. This guy's students put up a post outside the school saying we will always love you and will miss you, Mr. Castillo. So this guy was not just a, he, he was just not just, see to us, he's just a regular guy. It's a family that's hurting because they're missing somebody. So they're going through the emotions. Mm. So you want me to, you want me to, uh, be rational right now while I'm going through a death that's yes. unfair. He shouldn't be dead. Yeah. And then on top of that, you just let the man go that killed him. Yeah. So you want me to be rational in my thoughts, in my comments. Yeah. And be courteous. Be courteous. And I'm frustrated because I just lost a family member and you're worried about because I put it out and, and or the way I said it. Or you felt like I demonized the entire police yeah. academy. Can, can I jump in where you, where you, you, people want you to keep the, the, the scales balanced while you have the conversation. Right. Only problem is this right here. The scales aren't balanced, ain't never been balanced, and nobody really gives a crap about balancing because at the end of the day, and y'all got to excuse me because this, I'm just pissed off and I'm sorry, whatever, but I'm going to just say how I say it. The, 
black people are have been completely dehumanized in this country and it's become such normalcy nobody even can even identify how off the scales are and and then the the rage of African Americans as at what is happening is being dismissed and the narrative that everything's equal everything's the same is driven so hard that you can't even get a voice to even you can't even cry for your own, you know what I'm saying, to your own, uh, for, for, the, for the hurt and grief that we go through. You can't even cry without somebody going, what are you crying for? Yeah. And it's despicable, you know, and, and, and with what you're saying, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was in a classroom, several um, politicians in the city, several um, prosecutors, leaders, and everything. And we were there with a bunch of um, boys that are considered at risk. You know, we call them at hope in the city. And we were having a round table. And every big wig in the city you can think of is there. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to their teacher because their teacher stepped in the middle of the scenario I'm about to tell you about. But somebody in the room asked a question. They said, you know, this is great or whatever that you kids are like pointing out what's wrong and what's broken and what you're experiencing in your communities and the abuse you're experiencing from officers and how you think there's injustice and you're even, you know, but they're, you know, and you've given some ideas of how we could fix it. Um, but like, what, you know, what else can y'all do to, 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 you know, fix things? The person asked the kids that teacher steps in ASAP. She goes, so you're going to ask kids, kids, how to fix what's broken, even though we're in a room full of people who get paid tax dollars to fix what's broken, and you're going to put the burden on children? Mm. And so this is where the scales are completely disgustingly off and our rationale is broken. And one of the things that I said in that particular meeting with those kids was, shame on, our, on us as people in this city the way we demonize children. It's not their fault, the scenarios they were born in. And when it comes to doing justice, the only way you can do justice is be responsible with the narrative that brought the person to that point. So like when we roll up on a corner and we, race, uh, and we arrest a little kid, a little kid on the corner selling drugs to feed his brother and sister at home and he's 14 or 15 and the only place he can go to go get some work that day in his neighborhood is from a drug dealer who will front him some drugs, give the drug dealer back his money at night and then walk to the corner store to get some bologna and some bread. I say the same thing all the time because this is the actual scenarios of the kids that I work with all the time and hear from. And so that kid is not the same as a kid who's just greedy trying to get some money on the corner. Or a kid who goes in the store and steals to eat is not the same as a kid who just goes in the store to steal because he doesn't respect people's property. So how can the people who lead our city and who are given the duty of justice, how can you ever do justice if you won't be responsible with the narrative? What ends up being broken in the system is that it lacks love because love asks questions, Right. Normally, when we have beef with each other or whatever, we kind of go right at each other for what we did. Right. And what we miss is going, hey, what are you going through right now that caused you to do that? And so our system is so carnal and fleshly, it doesn't have time to love people. So by nature, it eats people alive. Well, that's what they don't. And they don't believe that 
they don't want to believe that it's that there's a separation of those things. My mama, when I remember when I stole out of the store, my mama beat my behind. And I'll never forget the words. She said a bunch of words out of her mouth that day. But the words that I remember is that you don't have to steal. Because yeah. there's somebody else out there that probably feels like that. I'm going to beat your behind because you eat every day. And you ain't got to go in no store and steal nothing. Yeah. So, and people don't believe that there's, that there's cases out here where people are stealing food to eat. Or... They don't have. They don't feel like they got no other way. They ain't got no other options. Yep. So they big brother or big uncle or they cousin or the dude that's been holding them down and taking care of them and taking care of the neighborhood, fronting them some money, and he ain't he 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 doing some some things that's illegal, and they just trying to provide some food and provide a way for them their family to get through the night or through the week, but there's a lot of people don't believe that that's actually true. They they want they they it, and it's just it's the same way, man. You demonize. Young people, you you demonize young black men that are saying, oh, if they selling drugs, they just choosing to do. But you don't want me to do that to the, pol the police organization. The same thing you're doing to, to a, a, a young kid like that, you don't want me to do that to a bunch of grown men that have Set that have stood before the judge, stood before their their, their, their peers, and pledged to say they're going to serve and protect this their city. And been trained. And been trained to do that. So it's just like, it's very overwhelming. It's, it, I, I understand their job is hard. I get it. Yeah. I get that there are going to be some circumstances where the areas are really, really gray. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what we've seen and what and people think this is a new conversation. This has been going on since before OJ and everybody else. Like there, you, you can go and and you can go through stories and stories and stories and every and, and everything. And I didn't make that OJ comment to allude to him being innocent. I'm just saying there was a lot of stories that happened in the city around that time. Miss Claire, you had a comment. One of the things that that as you guys were talking, the thing that came to my mind was mindset. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, in in my uh, experience, in my experience and learning, one of the things that I've learned is that the it starts in the mind. You know, when you decide to go to the store, well, before you get to the store, it has to start in your mind. You have to make that decision in your mind to do that. And I say that in this situation is everything starts in the mind. Yeah. These people that we're talking about who are saying this, you know, this isn't fair or that's fair or, you know, why are you thinking that? It's something that's in their mind. How do you change the mindset of somebody who's, you know, in within four walls in a family who is teaching them this is the mindset you should have? Yeah. This is what we're thinking. This is where we are. Okay, now you get that person that comes outside of those four walls, and now they're going into another four walls, and then more than likely, they're going to get with people who are thinking the same thing. They mm. don't normally go, that would be great if they went with another group that thought differently, so they would have a different view. But a lot of times they don't. Yeah. People tend to you know, gravitate to what they you know, or used to, if you have somebody that has that mindset and they go into another area, well, now you got a group of people that has the same mindset and they're going to take that mindset and they're going to believe that th this group over here from that four walls, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then it's going to keep going and keep going. 
it has to start in the home. And, the, you know, you alluded to this earlier when you said about love. Yeah. It has to be done. It has to be. It has to be done in love. Yeah. You you have to, as parents, teach this in love that, hey, people are people. Yeah. What I've noticed is that if you spend some time with somebody, you learn about that that person. The walls start to come down. Yeah. Like, I thought you were like this. I thought you acted like this. Yeah. I thought your people did. Well, now it's like, oh, we're, no, we're, we're kind of like yeah. the same people. How can we get people together like that? And you even said in the church. Yeah. A lot of times in the church, you get the separation in the church. Most definitely. Now, the church that I go to, it's it's pretty diverse. You know, with white, black, we have uh, Spanish or Latin people. But it's an older church. Yeah. We've, we've passed a, a, a line. Younger churches tend to have that mindset, oh, no. But these older people, sometimes they get to a place where they're like, okay, now it's time to really get it together. So we don't have as much of that separation as, you know, some of the churches I've gone to before. But their minds have been changed. Yeah. And we have to change their minds through love, not always coming at them, coming at them. And let me show you what you've done. Let me show you this is wrong. And that, yeah, we understand that. But there has to be a balance. Most, most definitely. I, I completely agree. I think, you know, Phil, with what you were saying earlier, like kind of mixing the two, like. It's it's so hard to, I think, voice your opinion today. Like you were saying, like with the Kaepernick situation, like nobody speaks about anything when it comes to the way African-Americans are treated in this country. As soon as you open your mouth and say something, people are like, oh, my God, you can't do that. And like what we're saying, you know, talking about the balance. And it's hard to work to get to this place where we can have an honorable conversation if one side is not allowed to actually speak and voice their opinion. It's like a husband and wife being married, and the husband's like, listen to what I say, do, and do what I tell you to do. After a while, it's going to crush the wife because she can't speak. And, you know, it, it, it's people hear this, and they go, man, I feel like you're generalizing officers. Maybe so. Possibly so. Um, and it's not... Because I'm careless for officers because I started the conversation talking about how we should respect authority. And I always try to find some balance in that and making sure that I'm leading people to you need to respect and esteem officers no matter how you feel about them. It just is what it is. If they cross a line, that's on them. But the way we should carry ourselves is in a respectful manner in honoring their authority they've been given by the city. And that's biblical for us to do that. But in this conversation where we're trying to fight for some type of dignity in it, the sword is going to hit where it's going to hit at the end of the day. And officers have to wear the disdain, like the good officers have to wear the disdain that's caused by their bad officers, the same way I, as a black man, have to wear the face of criminality because of how people have generalized black men. So, you know, when people have, when you know, like when they when they throw the conversation, like how they came at Kaepernick, like, hey, I just think it's wrong the way you said it and all that. 
Man, we're not trying to hear that mess. We've been getting stomped on so long, and ain't nobody going to say nothing right, and nobody's going to even speak. Even after you had the Justice Department go into Ferguson and break down their whole criminal system and show it was corrupt from bottom to top, you barely even had the news even talk about it. The conversation was still, oh, these animals and people riding in the streets. I know the interim officer who ran Ferguson. And he said, like, this, this would be another point, but he was talking about how pastors were the ones that kept the peace the whole time, not between just the officers and the people, but between the officers and the other officers, because some of the officers that were out there on the ground were disgusted at the way the other officers were treating people when they're trying to protest peacefully. So he said the pastors stepped in and had to even keep the police from being that big with each other. And so... I think at the end of the day is that I don't want to destroy the credibility of police officers. They're doing a lot of them are doing that on their own. And I know it doesn't represent all of them, but I would like for us to be able to come to the table and lay the table flat and everybody start in the same place and then work from there. Because I know that it's actually a very complex conversation. And I know at some point we have to start from a new place to build something different. Um, but everybody has to be dignified in that conversation. And, it, and so, like, it's, I'm going to tell you one thing, too, that frustrates the mess out of me. Like, being a pastor, everybody pulls you to come to these tables all the time. Like, we want to do this thing for the city, everything else, we want you in the conversation. And I'm kind of like, okay, but they, they always bring, like, officers and different people that they think are heroes where I'm like the kids I work with don't see these people as heroes and you're starting off the conversation like we're gonna come fix these kids I'm like the kids are saying you need to fix them so it's like how we have the conversation and come to a place to 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 really really hit that but I know I want to get into y'all story really really bad and I'm over here running my mouth can can we hit a song and then come back and then jump into and I I, I want people to hear about what y'all have went through yeah this um, gonna be good yeah this most definitely. definitely what's hey look we didn't we didn't turn up a little bit let's let's hit that um we need some encouraging music let's hit that Marvin Gaye mercy yeah, mercy me mercy, real quick some mercy, mercy Lord have mercy you know what I mean yes Lord straight right here up on the Ville Radio show Pure Radio one hundred three point seven FM thirteen twenty AM. Oh, things and what 
That was my man, Marvin Gaye. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of him. He's yeah. a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And uh, mercy, mercy, mercy. You know, this conversation for me, man, it's, it's tough. It's really complicated, like you said, Jay. And um, I think part of the problem that we're in right now is where we are, no one listens to anyone Yeah. on anything anymore people just have talking points in general in our society so no matter where we are on facebook twitter no one listens to anyone they're just waiting for them to be done to then make their counterpoint yeah and their opinion yeah and then it gets even worse it gets even worse when we're talking about race stuff yeah and i mean where i'm kind of landing at with this whole thing is when people bring stuff up against you know inner city you know young people versus police officers, everyone has voiced their opinion about how young men need to change and what they need to do. Yeah. But no one will listen for a second about if there's a problem in the police officer's arena. Like, that's kind of what I've been, my eyes have been open to. Like, no one will listen before waiting to make a counterpoint saying, no, you need to change. Like when you're in the classroom. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. But what do y'all need to do? Yeah. And it's like, there is individual responsibility, of course. There is those things. But also for the police officers. Yes. And also for these huge th- And So that's been like, that's been eye-opening to me. It's been frustrating because no one listens. No. It, it's impossible. And especially when it hits close to home. When someone says Black Lives Matter, and the first thing you say is Blue Lives Matter, it's like no one said that Blue Lives don't matter. Nope. That wasn't even a conversation. But why are you're, you even bringing that up? Like, like why, are we, why are we there? We're not saying that they don't. 
we're saying that you don't see that black lives matter. You know, and it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating. It and I, and if the story we're about to hear, we've already kind of open to what took, took some of what took place. If they would have just learned to listen to my man, uh, <laughs> like we wouldn't even had this big of a problem. If you would have valued what he had to say, which we're going to let y'all go into and just talk about, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like what? Like if we just, that's, that's, the, that's all I'm saying. It's the relationship between me and the civilian, if I'm the police officer or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like value who I am to even listen to what I have to say. Yeah. Well, because you're asking me to value who you are Absolutely. and listen to what you have to say. Yeah, because like what Claire said earlier, people have already written a story about that person ahead of time. It yeah. betrays all of us. Um, so it's, it's complicated, obviously, and it's frustrating, and I think this is just a microcosm of the bigger issue in our society is that no one listens to anyone. We all yeah. say these things like, hey, if we all got at the same table, we had a conversation, but having a conversation means everyone has to listen. And everyone needs to esteem everyone is equal around the table. Yeah. But we, we want to hear Ms. Claire's yeah. story and her son Eric, they on the show, the Veal Radio show. We want to hear, um, we ran into them. How we ran into she, oh, So she we were downtown. Us, and she made us buy her food, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we were downtown. We were at the uh, food trucks yeah. getting some food. And then uh, Miss Claire was out there. And Sit, sitting at said, our table. Can I sit here with us? Yeah. And we're like, yeah. And I ain't mad at it either because it was hot. It was hot. And it wasn't nowhere to sit. We've been, we've been hanging ever since. Yes. Straight yes. up. So <laughs> just in that moment, I think me and you were talking about something. We were. And I saw Claire side-eyeing me. Like, what table did I sit at? We were talking about racism. We were talking yeah. about... You were talking about your, your, we your soon-to-come... The book. Your soon-to-come... Well, don't spill the beans. Oh, don't spill yeah, the beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Shirk Dog was talking about being a white pastor and dealing with seeing his racism and, like... You know, God showing him his blindness, and it's a peculiar conversation. And Miss Claire, Miss Claire jumps in and she says, "Let oh, me ask you a question." That's yeah. exactly what she said. Let me ask you a question. Because she and was then, looking like this. Don't look. I, I want to hear what he's about to say because these are conversations that people long to hear, but we be acting like we don't be want to have them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's the behind the door. It's White family have it, black family have it. Yeah. Right. And everybody got their own views, but nobody come together and had a conversation. So then she proceeds to tell me this story. And so, Claire, I want you, Eric, however y'all want to share it, roll, tell roll, us the story roll that you just with told it. us. Roll with People need to know what's really popping out here because they think we're making up myths sometimes. <laughs> you know? Well, first of all, I want to say that I, I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah. And I believe we were divinely appointed to that place because I never go out for lunch at yeah. work. I never just, just that day I was just led to go to lunch and happened to meet you guys and sit at your table. Ask, ask if I could sit at the table. Yeah. Not just took over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was I thought our first time too. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. So got in and, and you know, was just listening to the conversation and I was like, wow. I can actually fit into this conversation with what just happened to us, you know. So what what took place was my son was, um, I'm learning to change my wording, unlawfully arrested um, for armed robbery on uh, Friday, May the 12th. He came home from college 
from North Carolina. He goes to school in in uh, North Carolina, Shaw University. And um, on that Friday at 8.34, he caught the train home. And I left work, went to pick him up. He brought me back to work, and he took the car and went home. And I was thinking, okay, good. I'll get a chance to spend time with him later and talk to him. And, you know, you know, just spend time with my son. So um, I'm at work, and sometimes I have to use my vehicle for work. So at about 11 o'clock, I gave him a call, and I said, hey, son, you know, come pick me up because I need to use my truck to, for a run. And he was like, okay, ma, I'll be there. So um, I got off the phone. I got another phone call, and I'm talking on that phone call. And when I hung up, I noticed that there was a voicemail on my phone. And I looked at it and I listened to it and it was my neighbor, next door neighbor saying, hey, urgent, like your son is outside and he's being arrested. Like there's undercover cops out there and they have guns drawn and everything. And I'm like, what? Like I'm thinking she has the wrong person, you know, not me. So I call her back and she was like, hey, yeah, this is your neighbor next door, blah, blah. And, you know, they're arresting your son. I was like, my son? And she was like, yeah, he, he's just got in your truck in there. You know, they're arresting him. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and she was like, I said, well, can I talk to one of the officers? And I talked to the officer and, she, and he, he assured me, yes, he's been arrested for armed robbery. I was like, well, when? And he said, I think it was like uh, maybe November, December, something like that. And, I'm, and, you know, in my mind, I'm going back like, where was he? Where was he? He was in school, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is crazy. So I go down to the jail and sure enough, you know, I was told to tell him, don't talk to the police. Don't, you know, make a statement or anything. Well, because they had him and I couldn't get to him, there was no way for me to get a message to him. Of course, he, he did speak with them. Um, I was later told he's being booked. And I'm like, what do you mean he's being booked? This is my son. Like, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about what happened at school or whatever and he's been arrested sure enough he was arrested booked into the Duval County Jail um, within hours or less of him being arrested when we found out the actual date of this incident we were able to provide information that shows that he wasn't even in the state of Florida at the time of this incident we had the information we tried to get the information to the authorities. It was like, no, we got a solid case. No worries. He, you know, we got a positive identification. I'm thinking, he wasn't here, you know. Yeah. That went unheard. My son spent four nights that he won't get back in the Duval County Jail, a place that he's never been before, a place that, of course, you know, as a mom, you tell your kids, that's a scary place. You don't want to go to that place. That's for bad people, blah, blah, blah. You know, so he's in this place for three nights, calling me on the phone, you know, afraid, you know, not sure what's going to happen, telling me about his situation, telling me what happened. Well, not as much because we couldn't talk about it over the phone, but just, just the whole thing of it. And then he was, uh, once we... Uh, had somebody give the information to the judges and one of the judges found that this information is, this is crazy. Why is this guy locked up? Short end of the story is he ended up getting out on Monday about six o'clock. They let him out, no paperwork or anything. Didn't release him with anything. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like my son just went to jail 
for armed robbery, never touched a gun. It was crazy. Now, this is your son who you birthed and raised and have been handling everything when it comes to his life. And you had no control, no input. No. They did it at that moment. Like, how did you feel? Like, how did that make you feel Like at that moment? Well, first of all, because of my faith, I was able to handle it a little better than I would have been if I was not in the faith. Because, you know, I've, I've practiced most of my life, most of my saved life to understand that when you don't have control of something, give it to God and he can control it. Amen. So I trusted that. I trusted that. Amen. Now, to be completely real and transparent, oh, I was really, you know, like a duck in water. You know, right. I'm going like, oh, my God, he's locked up. Like, I can't even imagine being in that situation. But I was maintaining for him, of course, when I'm talking to him on the phone, I'm not like freaking out. I'm just like, okay, honey, you know, it'll be fine. Um, you know, what you can control, we can gonna control. God knows what's going on. He'll take care of this. This is where I was. But it was a very, very scary situation. Yeah. Because, you know, we've heard of situations where somebody didn't do anything. Yeah. But you're in there and you're in there and you're in there and you're in there and until you're out. That's yeah. just that. Um, Eric, what was it like for you? What was your experience even going, never been in any trouble like that? And, you, and you're in a jail cell. Like, how, if you could say that out loud, what was it like even after the fact? Um, at first, it was pretty terrifying, you know. Like, I never been locked up. I never really been in the system. And then getting down there, like, I actually walk in the building. It's it's not a good feeling. It's like all the freedom that you think you have is gone. It's gone. Like you don't really have it anymore. Like I never thought I'd get arrested for nothing. Like for not doing anything unless I do something bad to get arrested. Yeah. But I actually got arrested for doing nothing at all. It's like the freedom that you have can just be took so easily. I don't, I don't really know how to. I don't really know how to explain it. It just it it, it, it shatters a reality yeah. of this idea of like I do the right thing. I can walk around and I can you know I'm I'm free. Yeah. I'm safe. It, it's that's kind of taken away. Like I'm actually not even safe on my most upstanding day. Is that a good way to describe it's, it? It's a, like like before I could walk around not worried about oh. If, is this cop going to put me over or is this cop going to stop me and, and say something? Now it's like I'm cautious. Every time I see a cop, it's a, it's a, it's a different feeling. Like, what, what am I doing wrong in order for them to come get me? You know yeah. what I'm saying? You, you, I identify with that because me going through the same thing, like being arrested, beat up by officers for absolutely nothing. Afterwards, there was this thing in my head like you're you, – even getting pulled over, you don't know how it's going to go anymore. Like, it's no interactions the same because it's like, I'm not doing anything, but I have no power in this situation. So I don't know if they're having a bad day and that's going to be me having to go, you know, and get locked up or whatever. Like, that becomes a real reality to you. That's traumatizing, man. Yeah, I also, really hate you experience that. And also, when I got out, like, I, the, the first night I got out, I was laying in bed. It was... It was around, probably around 11, 12. 
and the TV was still on. I'm falling asleep, and I hear on the TV like, "Oh, um, stop!" I, I start, my heart start beating fast. Yeah. I start thinking of like, "Was that for me? Like, is that the cops again?" Yeah, you know yeah, it yeah. It's a lot to think about. It, it's, it's sad when you. I understand that mistakes happen, but it's far. It's far too much with uh, the experiences of African-American men. There's too many, I can, I have too many friends that could actually tell this story. Um, and the fact that you are a young man who's in college and pushing to do what's right, making some really wise decisions that I commend you for and esteem on so many levels, um, pushing past a lot of statistics intentionally um, and a strong mother by your side, and then to, it just, we know this is real in the black context, but this is the argument we're often fighting. We're like, that's not really real. We're sitting at the table with five people here right now, and two people at this table have experienced this type of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a really, really big problem. You're sitting at a table with five people, Two just experienced it. Two have probably already experienced our own. Like you're going, like you're going, like I, I put a post out a couple of days ago after the trial came out about um, Mr. Castillo, and I um, I talked about the first time I got pulled over. How I was um, I was coming over the, the the Arlington Bridge, yeah, the Red Bridge, and Police pulled me over. I was going to speed limit, wasn't doing nothing. Pulled me over. He said I was driving too slow. Now, um, I think that he might have pulled me over possibly because there was three other people in the car that looked like me. And we were driving. And we were young. Yeah. We were going to the movies. And he pulled me over and said I was driving too slow. Um, situations like that, I have to now have a sit down. I said on the post that. One day now, I was just reminded at that time, that was in 99, I was reminded at that moment that I'm going to have to one day tell my son that it's probably not wise for him to drive in the car with three, four more guys. You see what I'm saying? It's probably not wise. Why do? I, why should I have to even make that? I shouldn't even have to have that conversation. I shouldn't be having to have that conversation. I shouldn't be having to explain to him that I can't even explain to him that we're different than Philando Castillo. What can I say to tell my son to convince my son that I'm different than this man? This man was a working man. He had kids. He had a family. He was doing what he was supposed to do when it came to paying his taxes, living in a, in a society, when it came to the government. Like, what? I, I don't know. Like, and that's just one of those, that's just that situation. What I want to ask you all, um, well, not even asked, but based on the story, like how did it, can you talk about how they even made the determination about him? Like, can you even say what made them even come and get him? Like, what was going on with that? Well, based on the information that we've, we've uncovered so far, um, they had a positive uh, ID of him. And of course, he has no photos in the system at all. And this, this positive ID was made off of his Facebook page. Like somebody saw his picture and said, that's the guy, you know. On I, Facebook. On Facebook. Right. 
and the fact that they said, oh, yeah, that's him, that's him, that was positive enough for them to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this so, like, oh, my gosh. There's another misconception is that people who are in law enforcement are geniuses out here. It's not the case at all. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry for my comment, whatever. But anyway, listen, you, because of the nature of your job, you were able to get a conversation with people that mattered in this situation and you were able to get him home. Let me ask you this right here. And I think our listeners and people really need to hear this. What, in, in your best guess, what would be the scenario for somebody else in this situation who doesn't have the money to go pay a couple thousand dollars at the jump for a lawyer to defend an innocent son and no connections within the justice system to make a phone call to somebody? What do you, how do you think this would have played out for them? I've actually thought about that. And I thought about that, and I, and I thank thank God so much for the favor that He's given us that He put me in the place that He put me, because I thought about it the day after He was arrested. He had to go to court, and they said no bond. Um, your court date is is June the fifth, and I thought about it. I said, you know, had He? We thought about it. Actually, we were at home, and He was like, you know, if things didn't line up the way they did. He would have been going, just going to uh, trial or whatever they call it on June the 5th. There, would have, there was no recourse. There was nothing else that could have been done. I couldn't go down there and pick it. I couldn't go down there and, you know, bake a cake and put a, you know, saw in. I, he would have stayed in jail. So he would have been sitting in jail off of a Facebook identification. Absolutely. From somebody who was already sketchy, who picked, like, we can't go into all that. But, so, so is, is the way we handle in cases out here is we let people just do Facebook points and then don't go ask the person who's being accused any, like, that isn't, so in real life, the way this would have played out is that you probably would have still been sitting in jail today. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the things that my son said to me, um, when he w- he was able to call me on the phone, he he was really afraid that this was his life. Like this is it. I'm gonna yeah. be in. I'm I'm going to prison. So mom, I'm going to prison. I don't want to go to prison. I'm like, honey, you didn't do anything. You're not gonna go to prison. But in his mind, because he's seen the story happen before and before and before, you know, we 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 our our life ex- our life ex- experience is a lot of times based on what we've seen, what we've seen happen what else we have to go on so he's thinking hey some other guys have been innocent and they've been in there for they're going to prison these guys picked me up and told me you did this no you did this you didn't tell the truth you did this yeah so he's thinking in his mind i have no control nobody has any control but them they're going to determine what's going to happen to me. You, you just hit it dead on the head. Once you cross behind yeah. the walls, it's like you said, it's almost like you've been violated of your dignity, of justice. You've been put in a box of criminals, whether it's true or not. So when you cross over, 
it, the story almost doesn't even matter anymore because you have no power in it. If somebody wants to write the story that you're guilty and this happens way more than people want to admit, then you're just going to be guilty. And that's just going to be it. You know, I want to say something really quick or whatever. Right. Um, in this city. If you are an African-American juvenile and you are arrested, you are nine times more likely to be charged as an adult than a white person, right? You know, even going through um, uh, Mr. Castile's case, right, and reading through it, like I was reading through some of the, the, the court stuff or whatever, and they kept talking about how there's the smell of marijuana in the car when they pulled him over. And I'm just I'm just looking at how we see the system play games, right? We we it, it, and it keeps saying this to destroy his credibility. And what's crazy to me is that you have marijuana is basically legalized almost all over the country now, right? If you are black and you are pulled over, you are fifty you're fifty percent more likely to get arrested and charged with a drug charge than a white person. So in other words, for white people, it's like, I don't want to put a criminal record on you. You know, you have your life ahead of you. For black people, you're disposable. That's like, and people don't like when it's said like that, but the statistics prove the bias in our heart. And all I'm saying, I'm putting it in people's face because we need to be responsible with it. And after all this locking up of blacks all these years for marijuana and stuff, now that's going to legalize African-Americans and minorities own less than 1% of the market in the gold rush for everybody to make money. I know I went off course with that, but I'm just trying to show people a picture of the dirty game, how it's actually played, and in the justice system, and how we believe these narratives about justice, injustice, who's good in it. When you get to the numbers and everything else, everybody's filthy. And so it just brings me to one of the closing, like, you know, one of the points or whatever, it's like, how do you fix such a mess outside of the work of the gospel? It's like so, it's so mucked up with so many different things at this point. Unless God regenerates your heart through Jesus Christ and you find yourself in a picture where you can look at an officer and actually grieve even for their blindness. Like I can be upset at officer. But also got to grieve for them as well and want to see them saved and their iniquities covered. Because we're not saved because we're good people. We save, we're saved because we serve a merciful God. So like even when I'm talking about the officers and the system and my grief with them, the realization is that I'm actually a part of this problem. Like a lot of people, they go, yo, who, when you say you, who are you talking about? I'm actually talking about us. Because the way we vote the people we choose and the people we don't have time to fight for, we create that you scenario that is crushing people. We end up all having our hands dirty in the story, but I'm sorry. I just get a little crazy with this thing or whatever, but I, I just want to tell y'all, like, I really appreciate y'all coming to the Ville radio show and sharing you alls story. Um, and, and, um, and Eric, man, like I'm just number one, I'm proud of the, your, your demeanor, even pushing through it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I salute you. And, uh, I'm going to tell you what my mom always told me. God heals a broken heart, brother. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be all right, and God is going to use it for his glory. It's not going to be for no reason. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. hey, you know matter. that. You matter, bro. Straight Regardless up. of what, you know what I'm saying, you you must know that you matter. 
and your your mother, um, she raised you in a great way. You know what I'm saying? The best she can, and she you could tell that she really instilled some some good stuff in you. And don't allow this one incident to just negate what you've learned and what you know. You know Straight up. We need to wrap it up. Yeah, like five seconds. Yo, check it out. All right, this is uh, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. Our sponsors are The Ville Church. Come see us for service, 1030 AM this Sunday. Oh, no, yeah, we're having beach day, too, so we're going to the beach right after service if you want to catch a wave with us. Peace, we out.